Okay, y'all. How we doing? <laughs> some of us are, some of us came in like, life is awesome, and some of us were like a little worse for wear today. So we got a mixed bag tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> but I'm glad y'all are here. Welcome to midweek. Um, I don't think we have any brand new folks tonight, so I think, I think we're good. Y'all know the drill. Um, so as we do, let's get started with a few announcements, because if y'all haven't noticed... If you want something to do every weekend in October, the church can provide that for you, okay? So there's a lot going on, but more important than any of that is the retreat. So raise your hand if you are planning to come to retreat. Y'all all all better have, okay. Now, have y'all signed up? The answer is no, except for a few of you, okay? So, So sign up. All you need to do is give $50 to reserve your spot, okay? You don't have to pay it all at the same time. Um, but y'all, I'm really excited for the retreat. It's going to be a really great time. Um, so November 3rd through 5th, and I'm just going to keep announcing it ad nauseum until you sign up. Okay. Um, but it's going to be a really great time. So scan the QR code right there. If you want to um, do that real quick on your phone and pull it up, but, um, it's going to be a really great time. And so we're going to, our guest that's coming next week, I'll talk about that in a second. He kind of gave me the inspiration for the retreat. And so we're going to get a little preview with him next week. Um, so I'm excited for that. So, so sign up. Do what? <laughs> so sign up uh, for the retreat that is coming. And then men. Y'all, there is an event for you. This is our first big men's event. Um, and we, it doesn't say... There's not a QR code on there, but um, you do need to sign up. So sign up in advance. Go to the website. It's only five bucks, and bring a side or a dessert to share if you'd like. Um, they're going to watch the Cowboys 49ers game, and then at halftime, they're going to have some folks sh- uh, share their testimony and speak. Lamont Nelms, and then there's somebody else too. Um, it's going to be a really great time. He played. Lamont played for Cincinnati in college, and he's friends with Travis Kelsey. <laughs> That's, you know, Taylor Swift is bringing the NFL back into Vogue. Um, they are really funny. <laughs> but anyway. We've, okay, Taylor Swift came up and then we, we, we diverged a little bit. Okay. We, okay. So, as I was saying, Taylor Swift, the NFL. Is, so um, it's going to be a really great. If y'all have ever had Santiago's cooking, um, if y'all have ever had his barbecue, he is making uh, brisket and chicken, right? Um, for dinner, it's going to be a really great time, and it's going to just be a whole lot of fun. Blaze is helping with it in some way, shape, or form. I don't really know what he's doing, but he's, he's doing something. Um, so y'all go to that. It's going to be a really great time. That is this coming Sunday night, okay? And I was telling, Donald was saying, I'm not a huge football fan. And I was like, well, if you like food and you also like other people to some degree and you like Jesus, then what you could do is go eat, stay through the first half, hear the testimonies, and then if you're like, I just can't handle any more football, then you can go home after that, okay? It's okay. Um, And ladies, there's also something for you. Okay, so on October 14th, that's a Saturday morning, we're going to have our fall women's brunch. It's going to be really fun. Um, we're going to eat together, and I'm really excited. There's going to be pumpkin-spiced-flavored things because it is fall. And so um, it's going to be a really great time, and I'm going to teach out of the letters of John. Um, and so it's going to be a great time. And against my better judgment, we are 
going to get a little crafty. And y'all, when I took on um, the mom's ministry, for some reason they always did a lot of crafts. And I didn't understand that because I'm just not very crafty. But they really enjoyed it. And the, the more time I've spent with them, the more I'm like, oh, we could do like a crafty thing. And I'm like, I don't, I think I might be getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But it's going to be really fun. Um, so register for that. Um, $10, and it's going to be some really great food. Jordan, our new kitchen guy, well, he's not really new anymore. Um, he's been re- making some really great stuff for us. Um, and then the next day, if you want all of your meals provided for you over the next few weeks, um, the church picnic is not this Sunday, but the following Sunday on the 15th. And this is always a really great time. Um, and I, hopefully it's going to be cooler weather. Some, you know, Mid-October is hit or miss, but we're going to be down at Mission County Park. And if you want... Um, if you want food that the church provides, I don't know who they're using this year. Sometimes it's Bill Miller. Um, you can pay for your ticket online. And so brisket or turkey. Okay. See, there's a lot of barbecue going around. Okay. Over the next couple of weeks. So, um, so that's coming. There's always, if you want to bring a dessert to share, there's always a big, huge dessert, like bar, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so, um, anyway, and we always end with a time of worship and it's really a great time. So that is coming. So are y'all tired yet? Or do you want to do more in October? Because Brian Richardson, and this is actually, I'm going back in order a little bit. Um, y'all know Brian. Most of y'all know Brian. He was the singles minister before me. Um, he has moved into counseling and pastoral care and those kind of things. And so what he's doing is he's bringing back Thursday in the city. And he's making that specifically a pastoral care and mental health event. And he's going to do these throughout the year. Um, and this one, and I know that this isn't like the bright, cheery topic, but he's talking about suicide and understanding that, how to prevent that, all those kinds of things. And so if you have um, questions about that, if that's something that you're like, you know, I know that I've interacted with people that um, have dealt with that kind of thing and you want to help them deal with that better, if you just want to learn, um, it's going to be a really great space to do that. And so October 12th at 7 o'clock, um, it's there, he's flying in a really awesome speaker from Denver, I think. Um, it's going to be a really good time. Now, he originally scheduled this event in September, and it was scheduled on my birthday. And I said, Brian, I love you, but I'm not going to go to a thing about suicide on my birthday. <laughs> but, but now that it's in October, I am willing to go. So um, I'll be there. It's going to be a really great night. Um, so, and then... Y'all, coming up at midweek in the city, I'm excited because I'm going to skip down to the bottom point. So midweek, we are extending the fall semester by two weeks, okay? So normally we end with the retreat, but the fall semester is so short, okay? And we spend all this time together on retreat, and then we say, see you later. And so what we're going to do is extend midweek by two weeks, and I am really excited because if y'all have ever heard of Scott McKnight, he's an author, Um, he's written a lot of great stuff. He is coming the very last week of November. Um, and it just so happens that he was going to be in town and he's going to be able to come for a little bit cheaper because I'm not having to pay for his flight. (laughs) So, um, he is really fantastic. He wrote a book on revelation and, um, he's going to share about that. It's a really awesome book. And so just mark your calendars for November 15th. That's going to be our last one, but it's going to be a really great, a really big one. I'm hoping to have a few other people join us for that. And so just... Yes, and so, starting backwards, so, like I said, on October 11th, Bill Walker is joining us, and if y'all were at main event, there's a few of you that went to main event, he was one of our speakers there, Um, and he's actually on staff with Truett Seminary, and um, he does all kinds of things, 
but he is brilliant. And so he's going to talk about um, how to find truth in a postmodern culture um, and all kinds of different things. But he is amazing, so come next week for him. Um, and then the following week on the 18th, we'll have a panel discussion. Okay, we're going to have a, um, a Methodist minister come and then also a Greek Orthodox priest come. Um, and we're going to learn about what makes, you know, different Christian traditions, what makes them different than us. But I think even more importantly, what makes them similar to us, you know, and what do we have in common? And so we're going to have a panel discussion, and I'm excited for that. Um, and then some of y'all know Matthew Benish. Um, he is awesome. He's been to Midweek before. If you've been around for a while, he's come to Midweek. Um, he is a physicist, and um, his wife, Emily, works for the music department, and she plays in the orchestra. Yeah, she plays the violin, and he sings in the choir. Um, and Matthew is one of the coolest people um, because he is brilliant, and he is down to earth, and um, he is just awesome. And so he's going to come and share about science and faith and how those things can really work together. They're not competing with one another. He got his doctorate at Cambridge, and he is so cool. And they just went back to Cambridge, and yeah. Um, so Matthew's really awesome. And so October 25th, I'm really excited for the month of October. Like I said, if y'all want things to do this month, there's plenty. Okay, so, so that is what's coming up at midweek. And then <laughs> this is a weird slide, but I didn't know what else to do. So <laughs> corn maze. <laughs> so I wanted to put like flashing lights around it, but I'm not very technologically savvy. It's, yeah. Such a corny slide. Yeah. So, we're, so if y'all, who went to the corn maze last year? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. No. So the corn maze was awesome. And we realized that there's a lot to, more to do there than we thought. There's like wildflowers that you can pick. And there's like all these cool things. And so um, we're going to go and we're going to do the corn maze again, just like we did last year. We'll have a bonfire and um, we'll buy tickets in advance and y'all can sign up online. I'm going to send that email out tomorrow. Okay, so we have the form to sign up, and I'll send it out on Facebook and email and those kind of things. But bring something for hot dogs and s'mores um, to share or a drink to share or something like that. Um, and if you want to come earlier so that there's more daylight to enjoy the other things that are going on out there, um, we'll, we'll for sure gather at 6 o'clock um, for dinner around the bonfire. But come before that whenever you want, okay? Well, I'm sure we'll have kind of groups come together. And so I want you all to be able to enjoy it because you could spend like all day out there. There's so much to do. And so that is coming October 21st. And that's our really fun fall event. And so that was like the biggest thing we've ever done since I've been here was the corn maze. There was like 30 people there almost. It was, it was really, really fun. And so mark your calendars for that. I'll send more information out about that in a second. And then Last but not least. Okay. So we have a couple discussion questions tonight. So when was the time that you experienced God in creation? And I know that's a very general question, but think about a time then you were out in creation, whatever that means, whatever you think of there, and you experienced the Lord because you were out in creation. And then secondly, why did God decide to make a physical world? (laughs) Take that as you will. I really want to just not say anything else, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a little bit else. So God is a spiritual being, right? So why did he decide to make tangible physical things? Okay. Now, obviously, we're going to discuss that in a little bit, but, and I don't expect you all to come up with the answer. Um, and I don't know that I have the answer either, but we're going to discuss that tonight. Okay, so spend just a few minutes talking about those things, and then we'll circle back up, okay? Sorry. Ah, sorry. Sorry. There it goes.
Okay, y'all. I, I realize that that was an unfair question, but y'all are sweet to go along with it. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to circle back up. So somewhere there is a bowl where you can put your name on a piece of paper. Okay. Has everybody done that? Okay. Well, then keep the bowl passing around. Some people put it in twice. Hey, <laughs> do what you got to do if you, want, if you want the giveaway. Um, I didn't actually make any rules, so I guess you are allowed to put it in twice. Laura's just throwing things, and now we're... <laughs> things got dicey at midweek this week. Okay. Um, y'all are ridiculous. Wow, that was the weirdest way to do that. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> it was the way you said... It was just funny. Sorry. From this vantage point, it just looked funny. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's come back together. Uh, um, okay, so put your name in the bowl. We'll draw at the end. Okay, we'll, we'll draw at the end. And this is the book that we're giving away tonight. Okay, like I said, it's either going to be a book or a coffee gift card, um, depending on what we're doing that week. So this is the book that I used for tonight, and we'll talk about that in a second, but it's called The God of All Things, okay? Um, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World. Um, and it's really fantastic. And so that is the book we're giving away tonight. Um, so make sure your name is in the bowl. Um, but y'all, I missed you last week. And I'm sorry that we had to push pause on midweek. And I, cause I genuinely look forward to this time together every week. Um, and I really missed y'all, but, and I hope that for those of you that were able to go to dinner, that y'all had a great time. Um, yeah, I, I, I missed y'all. Do you what? It, it turned into a men's night? Okay. Well, that's okay. So that was really the church's first official men's event. And then <laughs> this is the second. <laughs> you just had to slide in under the radar. Um, so I missed y'all very much, but it was not in vain because the reason we had to kind of make an alternate plan for midweek was because the ministers and directors were on our uh, staff retreat last week. Okay. And so Pastor Chris plans these for us every year. Do you what? They were gone. I know. Y'all probably got so much work done, or we're, we'll come back and be like, where did our budgets go? Did they just spend all of our money while we were gone? Yeah. Hey, I know y'all party when we leave. That's fine. That's <laughs> so, um, so Pastor Chris plans these retreats for us every year, um, and they're always so good, and we, we just get away, and we enjoy spending time together, and we cook together, and we go on some adventures together, and we talk and there's always some sort of guiding question um, that kind of takes form during that time. Um, and so this year, we went to Big Bend. Um, and Silas, I need to compare notes with you, because I know y'all went on a trip recently to Big Bend. Um, have, has any of y'all been there? I know Silas and Andrea. Yeah. Okay. So it was my first time, and it was awesome. And so we drove out to the desert, and we hiked, and we got poked by cacti, and we had a really an amazing time. Um, and so, yeah, don't worry, I'm getting there. So we had some adventures that were planned, and then we also had some unplanned adventures, okay, while we were there. So on the way, one of the vans got a flat tire out in the middle of nowhere, and, but so, some of y'all know Santiago, okay, he's our director for facilities. He changed a tire on a huge 15-passenger van in less than 18 minutes which is really impressive because he had no idea where they kept the jack because it was not his car, and he was searching for like 10 minutes just to find the jack. But um, So we got back on the road, and then 
Y'all, if, if you've ever been to Big Bend, it is the middle of nowhere, right? It is the desert, and there is nothing out there, and, which is awesome. Um, yeah, it's very, it's, it, is, it is truly, yeah, you expect tumbleweeds to just go, yeah. Um, so, we get to, so we rented a few Airbnbs out there, and so we get to our houses, and we're getting settled and unpacking, and, you know, y'all, there's not a lot of benefits to being one of the only women on the ministers and directors team. One of the few benefits is that I get my own room uh, when we do this kind of thing, because a lot of the men have to share a room together, but I get my own room, okay? And so I don't have a lot of perks, but I cling to the ones that I do have, okay? And so anyway, so we're, we're getting there, and we're getting settled, and I'm, I'm in my room, and I open the closet door in my bedroom, and there's a mouse, Staring directly at me. <laughs> and it, it was not um, a look of, oh, no. It was a look of, no, I live here. This is my house. Please leave. Okay. And so, so I opened the door, and I see this mouse. And first of all, I want it to be known very clearly that I did not scream or make a fuss. I closed the door, and I walked away, and I decided that if I just kept the door closed, the mouse and I could live in peace for the rest of the week. Okay. But I was wrong. Okay, the mouse chose violence. <laughs> and this was not my fault. <laughs> I tried my best to live peaceably with the mouse, and he did not oblige. Okay, so, and y'all, somehow this story, <laughs> I, I want to make it more dramatic as every time I tell it, but um, I've had four different people come up to me and be like, I, I heard you had a mouse encounter. And I was like, how did you know that? <laughs> we just got back. But anyway, so, do what? <laughs> should have seen the mouse, you know? <laughs> no, we'll get there. Okay, so we get together for dinner, and we're having our time of worship and discussion, and that's how we end every night on our retreat, okay? And we're finally going to bed, and it had been a long day. We had been driving a long time, and I'm about to fall asleep, okay? And I'm aware that the mouse is here, but I was like, okay, I'm tired. We can go to sleep, and hey, come on in. And I just hear someone knocking on the wall, and it was a loud, like with the strength of a human, knocking, okay? And I thought someone was knocking on our front door of the house that we were staying in. And I was like, first of all, we're in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you're here. Surely you don't have good intentions. And also, why are you here? Okay? And also, um, we, it, the house that we were in was a double-wide trailer, okay? So sound travels, you know, and it's just, it's kind of an echo chamber sometimes, Okay? Now, I wasn't just paranoid, though. So if some of y'all have met Renee, he's our Spanish pastor, okay? Renee is a former chief of police, okay? So I felt safe, at least. And so Renee, from our Spanish congregation, he was, in the, he was in the room on the other side of the wall as me, okay? And the next morning, he said he could hear it, too, okay? So I'm not just paranoid or, like, making stories because I'm stuck in the desert, okay? Um, and I figured if someone was going to go see, if someone was knocking at the door, it was going to be the former policeman, right? Like, I'm not going to deal with that, okay? And, but he, we heard this thing knocking all night. And there was no other creatures but the mouse and us. And I'm like, I don't know how a mouse was making the sound of a human, but Renee thought that, like, we had infringed on his territory, and so now the mouse was just, like, beating his head against the wall, like, ugh, leave, you know? And so... So the next morning, we have this great day. We go out on a nice hike, and we're, you know, we're doing all these things, and we're going to bed that night, and I'm like, okay, maybe the mouse moved out, right? Maybe we scared it away. Maybe it went to a different house, 
Okay, there were some vacant houses like right down the street. Okay, but, but no. There was still knocking, but it was quieter. It was softer. And I was like, maybe he just doesn't have the same gusto that he did last night, right? Maybe he's like wearing himself out. So I thought, okay, you know, if we play the long game, maybe the mouse will just wear himself out and we'll win, okay? I know. <laughs> Look, I'm trying here, man. We're trying to coexist, okay? But what I realize now, in retrospect, okay, is the mouse was intentionally making us think that it had given up. But it was planning its final attack. Because up to this point, I was the only one who had actually seen the mouse. And I don't know if everybody fully believed me, but Renee at least had heard it knocking, okay? So, but the rest of the guys in our house, so Chris and Byron and Rick and Renee and I were in a house. They hadn't heard it yet, the other guys. And so we have another great day and we're hiking, but we stayed up extra late because it was the last night that we were going to be there. And, you know, so we were up pretty late. And so we're all pretty exhausted by this point. And so it had been a full day and I was like, surely the war is over. Surely the mouse is gone. And I hadn't slept very well the whole time we were there, partially because there was a mouse knocking on our wall. But, you know, you're in a new place. It's hard to sleep, right? Okay, so finally, I was so exhausted. I was finally getting good sleep. But y'all, at five in the morning, I was sleeping. I was sleeping with my arm kind of like out like this. I appreciate your sympathy. Okay. And I feel something run across my arm. Okay. And it woke me up. But I didn't really fully know what it was because I was still waking up. I know it was cold, and I know that it had some weight. Okay? This was not a bug. This was not a fly. This was not even a spider. This thing had weight. Okay? And I was like, maybe it was just like a big drop of water. You know, maybe I was just imagining things. Okay? Like, maybe the ceiling's leaking. But before I even fully woke up more, it happened again. But this time, it was like bounding across my Like, it had, like, energy. Okay? And it ran across my arm again. And so I scrambled and turned on my flashlight, and I looked around, but of course it was gone, right? And I didn't see anything except for what mice leave behind them. Not that far from me. Okay. Yes, chocolate chips. It was a fairy mouse, and it was just <laughs> dropping candy where it went. Yeah. Um, but I want, it, I want to make it known again, again. Though it ran across my arm twice at 5 in the morning. I did not, I did not scream. I did, thank you. I did not scream, okay? I just go back to bed, and I was like, okay, maybe this is like a keep all your arms and legs inside the vehicle kind of situation. So I was just laying there like, okay. Of course I couldn't go back to sleep, because at this point, you know, you're very awake. Yeah. Um, but I thought, okay, okay, mouse, we're leaving today. You won. It's fine. You won the battle. You won the war, and we're leaving today, so you can have your house back, okay? And now, I would like to say, I must have scared the mouse away with my jujitsu that I tried to attack it with. Because as we were packing up our stuff, finally somebody else saw the mouse. Chris was packing his stuff, and he took a towel, and he moved it. And the mouse was standing there, staring at him. And while he did not scream, he did say, oh! <laughs> Which is more than I responded to the mouse with. So I think I won, okay? <laughs> and finally I felt vindicated because somebody else had laid eyes on the mouse. Anyway. Thank you for listening to my herring story of survival in the desert. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. What? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And good night. That's our big spiritual lesson. Yeah, I know, right?
<laughs> Although out in the desert, you just, you know, you, coex you try to coexist. But, okay, anyway, that was just my funny story. But all joking aside, okay, we had a really great time, and we always have a really great time on these retreats. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit with you about that. Um, not, <laughs> not only because Chris, <laughs> which Amy came up to me the other day, and she was like, Chris owes you big time. And I was like, I know. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to share that, not only because it's funny, but um, I wanted to share with you a little bit about what your church staff is doing and what we're thinking and how things kind of work with us. Because there were two things that, um, since the retreat and on the retreat, that I've, I've known all along, but I've experienced more profoundly since then, okay? And first of all is that this staff, this group of people, is phenomenal. And I love every single last one of them, and I don't take it for granted that I get to come here every day and be with people like this, okay? Um, it's such a blessing, and we had such a great time together. Um, and I know the rest of the staff feel the same way, because we would have our evenings end in worship, um, and this happens every year. We would get to the end of the time that we had prepared, and normally um, we're just sitting around in a circle, and so whoever's playing guitar, normally it's Ethan, um, he, he stops the music, but no one gets up. Um, and we all just kind of linger there in silence because no one wants to leave. And um, that's a pretty big deal to be able to go away with people that you work with. And not only do you want to go, you're not dreading it, but also when the night is finally over, no one wants to leave, right? Um, and so I just want you to know that the staff loves each other and they also love you. And, so, and we talked about y'all um, the whole time we were there. Um, and the second thing I want to share with you is, and I promise we're going to actually get to our content here in a second. It relates, okay? Um, I have never in my life been more hopeful about where the church is headed, okay? So specifically where this church is headed, but also never in my life have I been more hopeful about where a church has been headed, okay? Because the question that Chris asked us to guide our discussion on the retreat was, where do you see the Spirit moving at First Baptist? as, you know, in specific people, in programs, in ministries, where do you see the Spirit moving? Um, and that guided three days' worth of discussion. Um, because as ministers, and really as people in general, I think we all do this, it's easy for us to decide what we ought to do and determine that we're going to do something and put a lot of energy behind it and really grind to make it happen. But when really the better question is to ask, where is the Spirit already moving and how can I join the Spirit in that work? Okay. And so that's what Chris was having us do. He was saying, there are times where we, we put a lot of energy behind what we've decided that we think is good, but the better question is to ask, where do we see the Spirit moving? And let's join in that effort, okay? And so we talked about people, we talked about programs, but it was just the most encouraging time because we said, how can we support and encourage where we see the Spirit moving and in specific people? Um, and just spending time talking about that made me so hopeful, because there were over 50 different names thrown out there. I mean, a ton of different names thrown out there, and there was all different kinds of ideas that were thrown out about where we see the Spirit moving. Um, and we've had some planning meetings recently since, um, since we got back about our next Reverse series over the winter. We're going to be in um, the Sermon on the Mount, um, and we've been planning for Lent, um, and all these things that are coming. And there's just so much joy and so much intention in good things coming. Um, so I just want to share that so you can pray and be hopeful too. Um, and maybe you can ask the same thing. Where is the Spirit already moving? And how can you participate in that? 
instead of grinding on your own over here. You know, not that the Lord doesn't bless those things, but we don't always have to grind, right? We can ask ourselves, where is the Spirit moving? And so that was all totally an aside, and now I have, you know, an hour-long presentation. No, not really, but um, that, that connects to what I want to talk about tonight because spending time out in Big Bend allowed me to experience the presence of God while out in creation, and we've all experienced that, um, but it was a place that I've never been before. So I was able to experience God in a way that I've never experienced before because I was in this new place, okay? Because um, the Big Bend is weird, okay? The, the deeper you go into the park, the more you feel like you're driving on Mars, right? It, it's a weird place. The scenery is weird. There's, the rock formations are, like, they look like they don't even go together, there's cacti, but there's also these lush trees and wildflowers. And y'all, we found a new uh, species of lizard. It's called an alligator lizard. And it's half snake, half lizard. And it's a little scary, but they seem nice. And so, Do what? Yeah, zero percent alligator, yeah. But we asked the ranger, and that's what he said it was. But, um, okay, you know, so there's all these things out there. And there's... Javelinas, we had a little javelina walk through our backyard, right? But there's also bamboo and all these amazing things out there. There's fossils from dinosaurs, right? Um, it's just an amazing place. And so it was causing me to think, because when you're out there, there's no other option, right, if you know Jesus, to think about how we see God in creation. And the book that we're talking about tonight discusses that, okay? Um, so again, it's called The God of All Things by Andrew Wilson, um, and he talks about how we discover God and the things that God made. Okay, so first of all, let's go to the first question: How do you? How have you seen God in creation? How have you experienced the Lord in the things that He made? When is the time that you've experienced that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Donya. That's our version of the ocean. Okay, we had that in Illinois too. Yeah.
So smooth. <laughs> kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, there's all kinds of, right? I'm not always thinking about that every time I go outside, right? But if I'm outside for long enough, something grabs your attention that draws your attention to the Lord, right? Um, Just about every time. And so the question that's guiding our discussion tonight and that guides this book is, when is a mountain more than a mountain? And you can apply that to anything in creation. Okay, when does a mountain become more than just a formation of rock and brush that got pushed up at some point? You know, when is it more than just that? Um, and when does it shift into telling us about God? Okay, when is it more than the sum of its parts? Or, yeah. Um, or when is a, a carrot more than a carrot? Or when is a pig more than a pig? Right, there's, and that's what um, this book is going through, all these different kinds of things, right? Dust and earthquakes and, you know, all of the things that we see God in, in creation. Um, And I think this has to do with our reading of scripture, okay? Because sometimes we approach a book or a piece of art or whatever that is, um, and we think, what does this mean to me? What What is the meaning that I can get out of this? What does it say to me? But we're not supposed to assign the book or the piece of art meaning. It's about uncovering the the meaning that the author or the artist intended to convey, okay? And we do this with the Bible a little bit too. We can read it and we have a general idea of what was intended, but we walk away with a personal meaning. What does this passage mean for me? How does this apply to me? And that's okay, we should do that, right? Um, But sometimes we miss the deeper overarching meaning, okay? We don't always see things in scripture for what they really are. And I think this is especially true for the physical things that, are described in scripture. Okay, so we'll get to that in a second, but let's look at the second question. I realize this was not fair, but why do you think God made a physical world? <laughs> Karen came in line. She's, I know that's really the question. <laughs> um, you can throw anything out there, but why did God, who is a spiritual being, make tangible things? Because he could, right? Yeah, sure. Any other thoughts? He was born, right? He's like, oh, what is a God to do today? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, yeah. 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 Or to reform, right? Or to be made into something else. Yeah. Yeah, to change. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. A creator can't not create. Otherwise, he's not a creator. Yeah. That's good. He could have created a purely spiritual world, I guess, right? That we can really get trippy with this conversation, right? And that's not my intention. We can, we can talk ourselves in circles, right? But that's not a question that I ever thought about is why from the jump? Why did he create a physical world? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, we, we can get a little like freaked out with this. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I get what you mean. Yeah, sure. Sure. I, I get what you mean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Yeah, the the more you think about it, the more you're like, oh no, <laughs> this is this is actually bringing up a lot of other questions, right? Um, and so I'm sorry that I like set that bomb off, and we're we're going to talk about it, but we're not going to fully answer that question. Okay, but it's a good thing to ponder. Okay, because the the real question is, yeah. Did you have something else? That's that's a yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the question, right? So in this world that God created, no, we're not technically bumping up against God, but we are bumping up against something that God created, right? And so, I'm sorry, I know that you could go down the spiral really, really far. We're not going to go all the way down, but um, that's a good follow-up discussion for next time. Free will. Let's settle it once and for all, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
we're good. Well done, y'all. <laughs> Write some letters to the other churches and tell. Okay. And so the point, and the point of all of this, and what um, Andrew Wilson, this author, is saying, is that a mountain, or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever that is, a mountain is more than a mountain when it's when it is intended to draw us deeper into an understanding of who God is. Okay, when the one who created these things uses them to teach the people that he loves, that's when it's more than a formation of rock. Okay, because they these things that God created were created for the purpose of of telling us about the Lord, right? All of creation speaks to who God is because God didn't have to create a physical world. You know, he could have, you know, he created a world with matter and with physical laws and that he didn't have to do that. But instead he made a universe with things, right? With objects and stuff, right? Plants and weather and colors and animals and vegetables and people and all of these things, right? All of these weird things, and so this immaterial God created a material world, right? Material. Okay. We were all thinking it, so we just have to get it out there. <laughs> and so this comes up in Scripture all the time, and it almost disturbs us while we're reading Scripture because we're, we're sitting there and we're reading and trying to find the spiritual meaning and whatever it is that we're reading. And then all of a sudden, there's a, a, phys- a very physical, tangible, almost visceral thing that pops up, especially in the Old Testament, Right? Suddenly the Bible starts talking about locusts or, or hair or water, right? Or even the gross stuff in Leviticus, right? It like boils and sores and blood and all these things, right? And you're almost like, why is this here? I'm trying to find a, the, the spiritual meaning behind all of this. And you're making me go through chapters and chapters of gross physical stuff. And yes, in excruciating detail. Yeah. And, and so we're struck by how physical the Bible can be sometimes. Right, or that's why I think that's why the Old Testament is so hard to digest at times, because it's so physical. Um, but we know this to be true. But the physical world displays God's wisdom, right? Even the weird stuff, even the things that we don't immediately know how they show the love of God. We know that it's there somewhere because He created it, right? And so let's turn really quick to Psalm 104, if you have it. Um, it's a little bit long. But I want to read it for us. Um, let me turn there really quick. So Psalm 104. I'll just read a part of it. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering, covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain, He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He established the earth upon its foundations so that it will not totter forever and ever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters were standing above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they hurried away. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place which you established for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over, so that you will not return to cover the earth. He sends forth springs in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the vegetation for the labor of man, so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine, which makes man's heart glad, so that he may make his face glisten with oil, 
and food which sustains man's heart. Okay, and he keeps going. Okay, he's talking about trees and birds and the stork and the wild goats and the shephanim. I don't even, okay. And, right, all of these things. He keeps going and going and going. Um, and so Psalm 104 is just a case study in creation, right? It's just saying how God is in all of these things, even these weird things, because go- mountain goats are weird, right? And, and it's talking about mountain goats in Psalm 104, right? There's all of these unique things in creation, um, and we see his intelligence and his creativity, right, in all of these things that he made. And the more we discover, the more our amazement of God's wisdom increases, right? Because everything in creation... I believe, has theological implications for us. I can't necessarily tell you right off the bat what all of those theological implications are. What is the theological implication of a bat, right? <laughs> or, or whatever it is. Okay, but the point is that there was nothing in creation that he made that was just for nothing, right? He doesn't create, right? I don't think he created because he was bored. He created because he wanted to create things that, that reflect him, right? Um, in some way, every single thing in creation can tell us about God because God made that thing. So creation points beyond itself, right? The things of the world exist in order to draw us back to the Lord. It preaches to us, right? And that's the refrain of this book that we're going to give away tonight, is that the things of God reveal the God who created all things. Okay, and it's easy to go about life and not be able to appreciate you know, the, like, not that you have to find a spiritual meaning in every single rock that you ever pass from now until forever, right? But that doesn't mean that those rocks don't have any theological meaning, okay? And so, um, a lot of times, the language that we use for God is anthropomorphic a little bit, right? Can you give an example? Like, what is a way that we describe God that where he takes on human form, or he's, he becomes kind of this anthropomorphic thing. Can you think of an example? Lion of Judah. Yeah, he's the Lion of Judah. Yeah. What else? His yeah, his outstretched arm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and does smoke come out of them? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's all kinds of things, right? Because um, does God literally have wings? Does he literally have an arm to outstretch? Does he literally take on the form of a lot? You know, right? If we think about that, um, it's not a bad thing to describe God in that way because we're using the language that, he, that we have, the language of created things, the things that God created to describe him. But that doesn't mean that God is actually those things. Right, we we know what we mean when we when we say he's a lion or he's a lamb, or whatever those things are. Right? Do what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, right. So he uses these things to describe himself too. Right. God talks about himself in this way too. And so, what this book is saying, and what I think is an interesting point, is what if we flip that on its head? And yes, we describe God in anthropomorphic terms, but. What if the world that he created is actually, this is a new word, theomorphic? Okay? So if God takes on this anthropomorphic thing, like we know he's not a person, but we describe him in ways that we would describe a person. What if the world that he created 
is theomorphic. The things take the form that they do. The things that he created take the form that they do because they were created to reveal something about God. What do you think about that? How would that change the way we look at creation if we thought about it in those terms? Yeah, we say the world as in those who are not with God, but the world as in the created world that God made, right? We, yeah, we use those things to mean different things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And that's the point, right? It's not that, oh, because all of these created things have theological meaning, that doesn't mean that now they're more important. It means that we can find God in those things, right? And that, yeah, hopefully, they're just signals pointing up to the Lord, right? Yeah. Yeah, the sunset is pretty, so therefore, surely God must be creative. Other, yeah, it, it's. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's this kind of blanket that we're wrapped in when we're in creation, right? And it doesn't always feel like that. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like a uncomfortable itchy wool blanket, right? It doesn't always feel good, but yeah, there's there's some way that we, we're never outside of the presence of God because we're in this world that he created, right? Yeah. 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 And I love that because, you know, the, then if we take that theory, then it's saying, okay, rocks exist because God is the rock. We can learn about God because of how he made them, right? 
we, the Bible tells us, right, the, God is the rock of salvation, the rock that provides water in the desert, right? Um, they speak of faithfulness and steadfastness and security, right? And we, we can take all of those things and apply it to all kinds of different things, okay? Um, and so one of the funniest examples in this book was pigs, because you're like, okay, no, really, how do we? <laughs> that one's a stretch, right? Okay, because pigs have become synonymous with, like, dirty or messy or, like, they have, I know, Right? I know. I know. I think they're so cute. <laughs> I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? Right? I know. Yeah, because they've become synonymous with, like, being messy or unappealing, right? Because when pigs are alive, they smell terrible because they're rolling in the mud and, and doing all these things, right? But on the other hand, I'm... Are there any are there any vegetation vegetarians in the room? Okay. Um, on the other hand, bacon exists, right? Okay. And this is a crude example. Okay, y'all, we're we're gonna get to a slightly more spiritual plane in a second. Okay, but right? Yeah. Right. So, right. Pork tastes amazing, right? There's such a wide variety of things that come from pigs, right? And so it's funny because when pigs are alive, they smell terrible. But the things that we, we raise pigs for smell so good, right? Bacon smells so good, okay? Okay, I know this. I know, I know. Okay. And so that's the question, right? There's, there's a dichotomy there. Why is the two realities so different? Um, because in Scripture, right, pigs were off limits to Israel under the law of Moses, okay? They were unclean, and they were the most detestable thing of the unclean animals, actually, right? You could be separated from the people of God because you ate from a pig. But the Gentiles were like that too, right? The Gentiles were unclean, and they were separated from the people of God, right? And Peter, when he first preached the gospel to the Gentiles, he saw a vision, and it was a sheet of all these unclean animals. And we can assume that a pig was in that vision, right? In Acts chapter 10. And God told Peter to eat them, because what God has called clean, do not call common. And so, literally, Scripture likens the Gentiles to pigs, or to the unclean things, which pigs are the chief among them, right? Um, yeah, right, yeah. That's in the next edition of the book, when he does some more prayer and meditation, and <laughs> right? How about, that can be our challenge, walking away. Um, see how you see the Lord and the things of nature that challenge you, right? Like the mouse. <laughs> um, right? But the Gentiles are likened to pigs, but God explicitly says that they're clean. Also, we're Gentiles, by the way, right? And, and Scripture likens Gentiles, people like us, to an unclean animal that God has made clean. Okay, so God makes... These unclean things, clean. Pigs, the Gentiles, right? All these things, right? And so what uh, Andrew Wilson calls, he calls it the pig paradox, okay? Um, He says, because in death, and in our case through the death of Christ, death has taken what is filthy and untouchable and made us clean before the Lord and aromatic and pleasing to the Lord, right? 
<laughs> he says, in Christ, pigs become bacon, which is a crude way to say this, right? But he's saying there's value in the things that God created. And not only is there value in it, but God uses something like a pig to talk about the redemption for all people, right? Which is ridiculous. I know, because <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? But that's what we see, right? Okay, can we take a less crazy example? Let's take mountains, okay. Right, mountains are everywhere in Scripture, um, and the word mountain is used more in Scripture than the word cross, the word grace, or the word gospel all put together, okay? Mountains are everywhere in Scripture, which is weird because Israel isn't actually a very mountainous place. It's not all that. There's some hills, right? I mean, there's sort of a mountain range that runs down the middle, but its highest peak would be lower than the lowest peak in Colorado, in the mountain, in the Rockies there. And so... Um, Wilson says mountains aren't mentioned so many times in scripture because they're geologically important in Israel, okay? They're mentioned because they have theological significance because of the way they were created, because of who created them, right? And this is important to mention. Each thing that God created can speak to us in more than one way, right? Things matter because of what they represent, but they might represent multiple things, okay? So mountains, they can represent a huge obstacle that only God can move, but they can also represent stability, right? And most importantly, they represent a place where people go to meet with God, right? Because all of the big covenants in the Old Testament from Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David are all associated somehow with a mountain. And we don't have to go into all of those, but, um, but that might be a fun activity. Go look at all of the times in Scripture where it talks about somebody's on a mountain. And see what they're learning up there, right? See what occurs on the mountain. Um, and even the final scene of the final book of the Bible in Revelation, it says, from a great high mountain is where John was viewing these things, right? And Revelation is filled with images of all of these mountains, right? And all of, the, all of these things of creation. Gardens and rivers and trees and rainbows and sheep and thunder and trumpets and thrones and all of these things. And they've all been made new. Yeah, trumpets, yes. You have your moment? Yeah. And in Revelation, all of these things have been made new, right? And, and we can say, like in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, of, to the God of Jacob, right? And so the point in Revelation is that we can all go up to the mountain of the Lord freely, right? Um, and so that's what our challenge is tonight, and I don't want to take us too, too long, but how might we see God in the things that he has made? And not just, oh, that was a pretty sunset, and therefore God must be creative, right? And that's okay. That's good to think that way. But how do all of the created things of the world speak to who God is, right? If he can use pigs, <laughs> then he can use anything, right? And I know that that's a weird example. But, right, all of the things that God created were not because he rolled the dice and that's what came up, right? And he was like, guess I'm making that, right? All of the things that God created speak to who he is, right? Even the alligator lizard or whatever it was that we saw, right? Um, and so that's what I want us to carry with us um, is how might my relationship with creation change? Because if we can view it as theomorphic, as God created and therefore it speaks to who God is, um, I think that could change the way we 
go through the world. And I think there's some way that we can also translate that to even the things that, you know, and this gets messy, right? But even some things that man has made glorify God, right? And that's a whole nother conversation. But um, but I, it has to change the way we move through the world when we when we view the, the value that God put into all of the things that he created, right? So any any final thoughts or anything that, that has brought up for you? Um, or how might you practice in some way, experiencing God in the things that he has made. What might you do to increase that in your spiritual life? <laughs> right. I know. Have a BLT. Yeah. Y'all will never think about bacon. It, it will be the most holy experience of your life the next time you have bacon. Okay. It is. <laughs> bacon is, yeah. But I never thought about how the scripture literally likens Gentiles to the unclean animal, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You saved it. Yeah. <laughs> saved our bacon. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, right? Because creation is wild, right? Creation is lions and tigers and bears, right? There's, there's, or there's cacti, right? Okay. I'm cut on my ankle still from the first night that we got to Big Bang because this cacti just like took a knife and went at me, right? There's crazy things in creation, right? They're not mild. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Uh, Bob, love you. Love you, Bob. Oh, you don't have to convince me, okay? You know that the Lord exists in the dog of blue every day, okay? Yeah, I see it all the time, right? Yeah.
Well, I just needed a cat in Big Ben to get the mouse for me. <laughs> I got it for you, yeah. <laughs> John, you're poking holes in, in the theory, okay? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like what you said earlier of even when we don't feel close to the Lord, we're always in what he created, right? And so there's something of God around us all the time. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I want to go back to Big Bend as soon as I can because it's beautiful, but that doesn't mean I have to wait to experience God in creation for when I go back there, right? <laughs> Uh-huh. Yes. There you go. There you go. Thank you. It's still it's yeah. That's awesome. That's good. That's really good. I love that. Yeah, even our physical cells, right? And this is all to say we've been talking about I don't. We've been talking about okay, mountains and rocks and pigs and you know, you could apply this to okay, coffee, right? All of these different things, right? That's a very clear where we're seeing the Lord's coffee. But, right, but not until just now have we mentioned that we see God in our created selves, right? And that's, that's a whole other conversation of this body that God created for us is holy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and that's, so that should lead us to create. Right? Yeah, Luke. Yeah. Well, and that's what, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Especially in if we expand our understanding of what a miracle is, right? Because the more we think about it, the more anything of how God interacts in the world is miraculous. Right? And I think the more we experience creation, the more we can appreciate what is actually miraculous, right? Yeah. Any other thoughts? I know that this was like a, a wild ride for a while, but y'all hung up. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no. Why did God create a physical world? Because uh, I'm going to cop out, right? Because it reflects him, right? No. But that's, that's the question, right? And that's, that's the question that we can keep pondering and we can keep, like, circling closer and closer to, right? The more we experience what God created, the more it answers that question, I think. And that's what I want us to get to. But, um, no, I was never going to answer that question for you at the end. Sorry. Sorry for the spoiler alert. <laughs> no. Any other final thoughts before we go? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. Who has the bowl? David, can you hand me the bowl? Is everyone's name in the bowl? Oh, Donald, put your name in the bowl. 
<laughs> okay, you, when you come early, you gotta put your name on the and then, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. There, there. But now we have to reshuffle. Otherwise, Donald's gonna be right on top. <laughs> Thank you, David. You're doing so well. Okay. Oh, did you? Danya! Oh, Danya, again? Do you want me to, do you want me to redo it again? Danya's so generous. Donald! Look at you! the best. Love Donald. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Who was the next? <laughs> John Wiley. You were so close. <laughs> Y'all are funny. Okay. Okay. I know that we're going a little long. So what I want us to do is pray for each other around tables. Okay. Um, as we do. And then we'll go from here. But thank you all for coming. And thank you all for going on that ride with me. I know that was kind of crazy. But let's pray for each other, and then we will go.